Without my mother's love, I shouldn't ask for more. I've got so many things I should be thankful for. Yes, I have everything, except I guess a door. Perhaps it's better that I stay in. But tell me, when will my life begin? And so I walk into this new group and falsely think that somehow I'm maybe slightly an ambivert, which means you're kind of like both. Um, and then I walk into this new group of people I don't know, and I'm like, no, oh, solid introvert still, because um, I just wanted to die. But it ended up being good, but they had this icebreaker game. And you're supposed to tell your greatest achievement. And so I don't know. I, my one friend, who I, I didn't know one person there, so... I guess I need to say that as a disclaimer, but she was like, you should talk about your book. You should do this. You should do that. And I was like, no. <laughs> uh, so anyways, this, this is actually my greatest um, feat that I've ever done in my life. So when I was 15, we took the most wonderful trip to Mount Rushmore. And hands down, I've been to England. I've been to Portugal. I've been to Spain. Hands down, going to South Dakota was my favorite trip of my whole life. Um, mainly because I got to be in my favorite place in the world. I got to be in the Midwest for a few weeks. I got to see all my family and hang out there um, for, I think we were there for three weeks total. And so I was just happy as a little lark. So we venture out. We started out in Minneapolis. We're heading over to Mount Rushmore. Um, and we do a lot of other cool stuff. But we end up in Mount Rushmore. And so at night, they have this thing where the, the park ranger... Um, talks about, you know, the history of Mount Rushmore and the history of the presidents whose faces are there. And he apparently is like this crazy whiz smart person who's got like a doctorate in history. And, um, you know, he's, he's a good curator of everything. And so apparently he had like never been stumped. So you, what would happen is people would come down and they'd ask him something like a trivia question about one of the presidents. Um, and he always knew it. He'd never been stumped. So... Here's me, 15 years old, even more introverted than I currently am. So basically, I never spoke a word. Everything was just going on in my head instead, <laughs> or my poetry notebook. So I'm 15 years old, the biggest history nerd girl ever meets, still to this day. But I, I have just this, I, I am obsessed with Lincoln. I really am. So I go down to the front. I'm very brave in this moment. And I ask the ranger, okay, what's your question? And so far... He's answered everybody's questions. No one, you know, he has, hasn't been stumped at all that night. And so I walk up, and I'm here's my little, you know, nervous Nelly self with my glasses and my Hershey Park T-shirt. And I'm like, do you know what exact time Abraham Lincoln died on April 15th, 1865? And he, like, looks at me, and he's like, what? Like, the exact moment? And I'm like, yep. So there's, like, a little awkward silence for a second. And he's like, No. So then <laughs> I'm like 7.22 in the morning, and I think everybody there was both astonished because a 15-year-old knew that, and then also astonished that a 15-year-old knew that. 
So anyway, that is my weird story to start off with. And I got this wonderful little certificate that I stumped the ranger, and I'm very proud of that. So I also think the people in my small group think I'm a weirdo now, but <laughs> little they know. No, I'm just a nerd, but that's okay. I embrace it, and I wear it proudly. So today we are talking about active waiting. <laughs> um so I really go into this in Dear Young Sparrow a lot, um, but I really wanted to talk about, I, I, I really try and listen to what people are telling me around me, and I feel like such a constant thing is there is always somebody waiting for something, um, whether it's you're waiting for your spouse to come, or you're waiting to have children, or you're waiting for that job, that dream job to happen, um, you're waiting for financial freedom, so you're not just constantly living paycheck to paycheck, you're, you're waiting for, you know, the health diagnosis that will go well, different things. And so I want to talk about what that looks like um, as a Christian. And so I think whether you're a Christian or not, you are waiting for something. You're waiting for some change to happen in your life to get better. Um, but we have to remember more than anything is that we serve an extremely intentional God. God is not capricious in the slightest. He is extremely intentional. And so each and every little piece that we might not even realize it, there is some reasoning why he is having things unfold exactly as he, as he is. Um, and I think in retrospect, we get more of this clear view, though I don't think until we get to heaven will we ever have a, a truly like full view of what God was doing that whole time. But I think in retrospect, that's why it's easier to say, oh my goodness, that's why God let this and this and this happen. That's why I talked to that person. That's why I didn't get that job at that time. You know, and, and we see that more clearly. But when we're in the moment, how quick are we to forget that God's actually doing a million things at once? Um, John Piper says that God is usually doing 10,000 things at once in our lives, and we're aware of maybe three. And I think that is such a good and wise quote in that. Um, but I think what we can do is we can live intentionally that we are going to carry out this season of life to the fullest. So if God is asking us to wait, then he has a good reason for us to wait. C.S. Lewis said that. And we have to trust his guidance and that. So James 5.12 says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So that means that you are living in such an intentional way, right? That also means you're praying about your situation. You're praying that God would mold you and change you and change different things within you and then change your situation so that when you are ready for that next open door, that you're there. And a visual that God gave me um, about a year ago when I was writing this chapter in the book um, was of a hallway. And a lot of times we say we're waiting in the hallway, right? We're waiting in the waiting room. Um, before God lets us and opens that door, before he opens the door. And so what if instead of twiddling our thumbs and reading really old magazines in that waiting room, instead of watching Judge Judy or Maury and just wasting that time, the time is passing, because the time is going to pass anyway. What if we decorated that waiting room? What if we adorned it in every single way we possibly could? We painted it. We made it beautiful. We made the best of the situation. And so this is going to sound a little corny, but go with me, okay? So I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Tangled, but it's, it's the story of Rapunzel. And so in the movie, she is locked in the tower, right? But she doesn't sit and stew. 
She doesn't sit there and wallow that she is entrapped in this horrible tower and being manipulated every single day for her hair. Rather, she paints the entire place. And she paints it so much that there, there isn't even room left on the walls for her to paint. She's run out of room on the walls because she painted it that much. And it's funny because in the movie, how the story goes is she finishes painting that last corner of the room and then like instantly right after Flynn Rider shows up and she has this whole new adventure to unfold. But I think that's a good metaphor because in the same way, if we spend this time and this, this encapsulated time period working and painting and doing as much as we possibly can do in this waiting period, then when God opens up that next door, we've done everything we can possibly do. We've done, we've grown as much as we can possibly grow. And then it's on him to take it to that next level. And I just think that's a really exciting and encouraging way to look at it. So what should you do? What, what does that mean to paint the walls? Well, I mean, you could literally paint your room if you wanted. But moreover, I think it means to develop your relationship with God more strongly. Pray for that discernment. Pray that, you know, John 10 talks about the sheep know the shepherd's voice. So pray. Pray that you know the difference between your voice, God's voice, and the devil's voice. Pray that God makes it evident and clear so that you can trust his voice. You can trust his guidance. You know, Isaiah 48 and 49 both talk about um, whether you go to the right or the left, God will guide you. So praying about that discernment to know when and where to go, because that is only going to lead to that next door to open. Um, I think knowing more of the character of God is important, too, because if we're going to spend all of eternity with God, don't you want to get to know him a little bit more? Don't you really want to know his character? And where that comes through is not only living out life events and doing life with him on an everyday basis, but reading his word. And so it is vital to have that balance of scripture and spirit. And what I mean by that is praying and asking God to reveal things to you supernaturally and for you to hear him in a way that you comprehend. So Romans 8.22 talks about that God can comprehend our moans and our groans, right? He can translate them into prayers. So in the same way, don't you think God can speak back to us in a way that only we understand? Because if you groaned, God understood what you meant but no one else might. So in the same way, God can speak to you in a way that only you understand. Only it's, it's a wonderful secret language just between you and him. And that could be anything. That could be finding a penny on the ground and knowing change is coming, right? Or that could be a license plate in front of you, a vanity plate. Um, so I think it's vital. But the other thing is really just diving into scripture and really reading his character and seeing his character through and through. So Hebrews 13, 8 shares that God is not changing. He, is, he remains the same. And 1 Samuel 15, 22 speaks about that too, as does Numbers 23. It says that God is not a man that he would lie nor change his mind. He's not changing. He's the same as he was today and yesterday and tomorrow, ever, right? So if we look at it in that context, we realize more of the character of God. So just as he took care of people in the Bible and their stories played out just as so, just as he promised, He's, he didn't stop doing that at the end of Revelation. It's still going on today. But through reading their stories and studying those stories and rereading them and rereading them and rereading them, we get a better grasp and we get a better revelation of who he is, right? And so when we take it out of that legalism and we don't just read the stories to read them, but we pray, God, show me, show me what you want me to get out of this today. 
reading a story you've read a hundred times, you will come up with something different because God revealed that to you because of that Romans 8.22 transfer of his revelation being given, right? And that is so beautiful. Jeremiah 33.3 says to come to him with the things that you do not know, and he will reveal them to you by his spirit. He wants that. That is what relationship means. That is where we take Christianity, and it's not a religion, but it is a relationship on a daily basis doing life with God, coming to know his heart because he knows your heart and coming into knowing what he made your heart to be, what his original intent and design and perfect will was for your heart and your life, right? So if we look at it in that context, everything really changes. So during these seasons of waiting, we are working in to learn more about him to learn more of his spirit, to learn more about what his will for our lives are, that's going to change your perspective on that season of waiting because there's a purpose behind it. God has some reason, and he wants to reveal that to you. And I think the other thing is, is look where you can serve. Where can you, where can you bloom where you're planted? Because if you're a plant and you are in this little planter and you bloom as much as you can and your roots are growing, then you're going to get it's going to happen so you're too big for your britches, right? You'll get too big for your pot. And so God has to move you to that next level. But look at this time. How can you grow? So if you're stuck in a job that you do not like, instead of complaining about it constantly, do something about it. Become the master of that job to the highest that you can. So when that promotion comes, you're ready. You can do it. You're able. If you are waiting to meet your spouse, become the kind of person that you'd want to marry. And now, I'm not saying go marry the mirror. What I'm saying is, while you're waiting for the one, become the one. Become the kind of person that someone wants to marry. Become, because it's not going to be all one-sided. So work on your relationship with God. Work on yourself. If you need to get fit, get fit. Not for vanity, but for, like, health reasons. If you want to become a better cook, then learn how to become a better cook. And I think it's beautiful when you can look at that. Make a list of all the things that you can possibly do in this season while you're waiting and do it to the utmost and highest of your ability. And I just think that's a really cool thing to do when we recognize that these periods of waiting are actually these wonderful little pockets that we can live out fully for God. And so that John 10.10, living life to the fullest, really does come into play. And I think you will realize later that when God does change your life and things shift, that then you have become so ready and so able that it's just beautiful. So I just really want to encourage you guys today in that, in your seasons of waiting, whatever you might be waiting for, and trust that God is doing something to flourish you, to help you grow. And in his right timing, he's going to make it come to pass. I'll leave you with Ecclesiastes 3.1. There's a time for everything under the sun. And so what that means is that God knows the timing. He knows when it's right and he will make it right. And my last thing is pray for the other people involved. If you were waiting for a spouse, pray for them. Pray for them every single day without ceasing. Pray that God is working in their heart and in your heart. Pray and know that God is more powerful than us. And even when we fail, even when we fall down, he's right there. He's right there to give us a second chance to lift us back up to help us again. So you don't fight this like alone. So I hope that encourages you guys today. Um, please definitely leave comments, leave um, feedback and stuff. I love to hear that. Um, 
if there is a podcast you would like to be done, let me know because I am always looking for ideas. Um, and let me know how I can pray for you guys because that is really a big thing on my heart. I want to be somebody who can – I'm a real person. I, I want to pray for you guys. I want to be a light into your life. Um, so be sure to check out the Instagrams at Callie Logan, at Dear Sparrows. Um, check out the book if you haven't. It's kind of cool. Um, and just let me know your, your thoughts. I'm also working on another book. I don't know if I should feel that or not. Uh, but pray for me with that. Goal is to have it done by the end of the year and released in spring. So have a blessed day. Take care, y'all. Goodbye.